Welcome to First Time for Everything, a podcast for curious people. I'm your host, Danny Elliott. I've toured the world as a backing vocalist for some of the biggest names in music, owned a prop rental business, ran a vintage boutique out of a camper I renovated, and I've had a lot of firsts in my life. I created this podcast in hopes of inspiring you to take a chance on something you've been wanting to try for the first time. We're going to discover a lot of cool stuff together, and I'm so happy you're here. Hello, first timers. Today I'm talking with my awesome friend, author, poet, and advocate, Lindsay Frazier, about her soon to be released memoir, Oh Love Come Close. Lindsay's story is authentic, beautiful, difficult, redemptive, and like all of us, evolving. Lindsay has had pizzas published before, but this is her first book, and I thought it would be interesting to sit down with her and talk about what the process of writing a book, specifically a book of nonfiction, is really like. I'm going to read a quote about her book from her website to give you a glimpse into Lindsay's story. Oh Love Come Close explores the emotional wounds that fragmented a woman's identity and the retracing of steps needed to pick up the pieces left behind. Her sexuality, spirituality, fidelity, and a complicated past. Frazier unearths her buried wounds and finds that in order to live fully, to fully love and be loved, she has to reclaim all the pieces of herself, no matter how painful they might be. So be ready to be totally shocked, but we talk about the never-ending wisdom of big magic yet again. I promise it's not the only book I've ever read. I've read Lindsay's book too. Uh, We also talk about how to make time for what's important to you. And like our girl Glennon Doyle says, doing it scared. I hope all of you current and future writers enjoy first time writing a book. So today we have my girl, Lindsay Frazier with me. I'm so excited to have you here. Lindsay is the author of her upcoming memoir, Oh Love Come Close, coming out January 31st. 31st. Crazy. Uh, I know. I know. It's been so cool to uh, just kind of watch this process and this journey of you going from like writing it to now it's about to be out in the world. Yes, girl. It has been a very long journey. It's been 10 years, actually. I was going to ask like how long it's been from like, well, let me, we'll, we'll go back first and then we'll circle back to that. But like, did you always know that you were going to write a book or like, when did you first become a kind of realize that you were a writer? So this is crazy. I've, I've been asked this a few times and no, the answer is no. Um, it's kind of comical. So growing up, Um, I was not great in school. I'm just gonna be very honest. I had a really hard time. I, I usually ended up getting people to write my papers for me. (laughs) I I did not read my first book until I was in my twenties. And so the fact that I'm a writer, one completely blows the mind of my parents, but two, (laughs) me too. Like I just, I never, I never thought this was, this would be my future. Um, so kind of let me tell you the how it started. So at, you actually will read this in the story, but there was a time in my life where I was meeting with a therapist and I'm a very open processor and it was like session three, maybe. And, um, she reaches down next to her and she grabs like a journal. It looks like a journal and she hands it to me at the end of our session. 
And she's like, this is for you. And I was like, oh, thanks. You know, like thinking to myself, what am I, what am I going to do with this? I was not one to keep a diary, you know, writing down my thoughts. You know, I, I didn't really know what to say. Like, dear diary today yeah. sucked. Totally. Love Lindsay. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so she gave me this and she was like, I can see you're processing a lot and you should write it down. And so I took it home and probably a few weeks later, I would say that I had it completely full. And it, what's beautiful about it is I finally found the freedom to get out all the things that I felt like I had hidden. Mm. So like that, that were oppressing me, right? Like all these deep, dark secrets that I felt like I could tell nobody. I finally had a safe place to share those things. So when I was all finished, I, I, I can visualize this moment. I'm sitting on my bed and I'm all finished with the journal. And I'm like, now what? Like, I don't want anybody to find this. Like, what do I do now? Like, it's all here written. And so I get a pen, I like go grab a pen and I open the front flap and I'm like, dear mom and dad. And I very dramatically like, if you find this journal, burn it. Like, don't read it. Don't open it. You're not going to know what's in here. And I wrote them this whole very dramatic letter. And, you know, it's like, love, Lindsay. And when I closed it, I sat back and I'm telling you, Danny, like, I knew something within me that I was not going to burn that story, but I was going to tell it mm. one day. And perhaps my family would actually love the girl on the inside of those pages. Mm. So that's honestly what started. Um, the freedom that I found in writing was definitely enticing to keep writing. And then, yeah, the, the content, I was like, man, I, I feel like I've got something to, to share with the mm. world. So that's kind of how it started. And when was this? How old were you? I, so I'm guessing I was maybe 22 and I'm okay. 30 now. So mm -hmm. that was however many years ago. 14. Yeah. yeah. And like, when did you start thinking that you were going to write a book and like, was it was the concept from Go going to be a memoir? Well, yeah, like I would say it was kind of in that moment where I had this realization that what I what I had given in these pages was not this thing to be afraid of, but something to share. And as I was, I was experiencing this freedom as I was in therapy. And so I was finding a lot of freedom and sharing my story um, or parts of my story with somebody that I, I just didn't feel alone. And so I would say like, it was in that moment that I felt like I could write a book. Um, that was very, I didn't even know what a memoir was. Like, I'm telling you, I was so, I just was not, in that frame of thought yeah so i it's funny because i actually was looking in uh my old files on my computer and and found when i had started writing and i called it like the autobiography because that's like what i could remember in school yeah <laughs> like, oh we have to write these autobiographies so it was like the autobiography of me and then of course you know it just the craft of it became more fluid and but it took me a while to figure out what I actually was going to write um, and to learn what a memoir was and how it, it's not necessarily chronological. Mm. Um, it can be a time period um, in your life that you want to talk about. 
And so I would say I always knew it would be telling the story of, of some of these traumatic moments that I've experienced and the freedom of facing them. Mm-hmm. But um, it took me a little while to figure out how it was going to look. Yeah. And so that was, you said like about 10 years ago when you were like, okay, I think I'm going to start turning this into an autobiography, a memoir. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it was 10 years. I would say I just started writing. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like I, I didn't know what it was going to be. Um, I started writing and I just continued writing almost like the same thing over. Mm. And, then, you know, throughout that progression of years, it was like, I started to figure out more about my writing style, more mm-hmm. about what I wanted to share. I was still discovering me. So I, I mean, obviously we're always still discovering ourselves. And so I felt like I was able to kind of hone in probably within the last, um, I think it was actually January of 2017 when I was like, okay, time to take everything that I have and turn it into a story. Yeah. Like, how do you even go about formatting that something like that? That feels so overwhelming to me to take all of those years of writing, journaling, and um, everything from kind of just probably some free writing sessions to, you know, like brain dump style stuff to more thought out pros, if you will. How how did you even start formatting that? So I would say the very first thing I started doing was reading a lot of memoirs um, because I, because I kind of felt like I didn't know, I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, not kind of like I definitely didn't. And so it's like, okay, how do I turn all of these things into a story that is not like one run on or like that people care about because, you know, I'm not like a historical figure with this really important life that I can just write like the day I was born till present. And so I started reading memoirs and that's what gave me kind of the context of a memoir Mm -hmm. and the time period. And so then I started looking at my story and thinking, um, how do I make all of these moments from childhood until now fit within the context of a story. Yeah. Um, And so then I had the idea, well, what if the setting is actually in the therapist office? So then I can have this like grounding place where we continue returning back to, and then stuff can kind of flow out of there. So I felt like I had to find, I felt like I had to find the setting first. Where am I? What am I doing? kind of the backbone of the story. And then it's like storyboarding. It's like, okay, what goes first? What is it? I kind of had to remove myself a little bit and make myself a character. Yeah. And that's, what's tricky about memoir too, is because, you know, it's, you you don't want to fabricate. And so you really have to dig deep, but the way that you're sharing your story doesn't have to always be in this like chronological order. Mm. It's, it's kind of like, it's very, tricky to learn but then i feel like once you get into it as far as like stylistically how to write a memoir when you find your story yeah you know it kind of comes together maybe yeah okay so for instance i was chatting with a friend who wants to start writing and she has this really beautiful story and there's some really hard moments with her mom who is an addict and it's like you have to take so i was like what story do you want to tell Cause you could, you could look at it from several angles. Is this story about you and your mom and your relationship? Is it a story about you having to, you know, separate yourself from your mom's identity? Like there's so many different angles you can take it. 
So I feel like you have to, um, in the same time that you're kind of finding the backbone, like where is the story taking place? You have to figure out what's, what is your message? What do you want to tell people? What do you want to share about, you know, what do you want the world to know about your story? Yeah. Then you kind of form it from that. That totally makes sense for sure. And that, that seems like it would be one of the more um, difficult things maybe to pin down in this process Mm -hmm. is getting real clarity on that so that you can kind of move forward with clarity in writing maybe. I mean, once you, once you landed on that perspective, we're going to stay kind of grounded in therapist's office and that's where we'll come back to. What were your writing days kind of like or like how often did you write how long did you write for when you were writing was it kind of all over the place I mean I know you're a busy mom you work like there's a lot going on you know how do you even find time to to do that um I remember I think it's uh Jen Hatmaker who I love very much as a writer she I think it was her that just talked about like finding the odd hours um and that's what I did. I mean, I had, obviously our oldest is 13. I have, I have three children and the youngest is four. And so like, it's not, it wasn't ever traditional in the sense of like, I got up, they got them off to wherever they were going. And then I could start writing. Like my hours of writing were typically during nap time, um, which is like an hour and a half to two hours, maybe like when my kids were napping. Um, which really you have to get into the zone. So like that takes time. So really I had an, I had about an hour of writing time on a good nap day. Right. But then it could be late at night. It could be early morning. I mean, it was so, sometimes that was frustrating because, you know, writing is a deep dive. And especially when you're writing a memoir, because you're, you're wanting to relive these stories so that you can share with your reader the experience. Right. So but then you're also reliving these stories. But you're also reliving it. Yeah. And and you know the details like fully. And so then it's like, do I give? What do I give? And so it's just really emotionally taxing. It's very liberating, but it's also just very taxing. And so so it was a deep dive. And sometimes I'd have to tell my friends, okay, or like my husband, like, okay, I'm writing. Check on me in like an hour and a half. Because then you have to come out of it. And then I had to be a parent. My kid woke up. Yeah. And so, um, so it was very unconventional, I would say. And I think maybe the second time around, I'll have a little bit more rhythm. Mm. I think you got to find what works. For me, it was like loud instrumental music in my ears as I wrote. Isn't that funny? Like some people need like complete silence. And yeah. I would say in the editing process down the road, I needed a, a needed some silence to like. Mm-hmm figure things out. But as far as writing the content, I mean, it was like cinematic <laughs> music in my ears. And it was the only way I could, cause I, I, I couldn't even hear it. It was like, it's very mm. weird. Like, yeah. Like ambient almost once yeah. you get into this, it probably, I would assume I've never written a, a book, a memoir, anything, but other than songs, um, mm-hmm. which, which you're like, you know, creating the music, yeah. but, but yeah, I would, I would imagine it would almost be like this meditative or trance like place you go to. At least I know sometimes when I'm writing songs, that's how I feel when I'm in the moment. It's like, you're kind of in the suspended reality for a second while you're kind of getting that creative download you know is that kind of what it felt like it's that's exactly what it feels like yeah i mean you nailed it like it it is a it feels like a trance when you are in the flow and so later when i was editing i mean there would be times i would wake up 
at 3 a.m. and I could hear the sentences. Like I, it, it was the, it was really like, it was a really cool experience because um, I'd never, you know, experienced that before. So like, or I'd be in the shower. And again, this is right at the end of the book being completed. And I would be in the shower and I would like hear it and I'd get out and I'd go have to like type it down. Yep. But, um, but then it, cause it just felt like my mind was always hearing these words and these sentences and, and I kind of miss that. I'm really out of practice. I mean, I, I'm have moved on to other stuff with the book, like promotion and stuff, but so I feel out of practice and I miss it because it was mm -hmm. a very like meditative inner, I, I can't really explain it, but you know, it's, well. it's cool because I, I'm laughing because it's the same exact thing with thing. Like I would wake up in the middle of the night. It doesn't happen anymore really because I don't write songs as often anymore because I've kind of, you know, transitioned to some other professional things, but like same thing, like wake up in the middle of the night with like a song idea and just like have to sing it into your notes like quietly if you like have yeah. a partner <laughs> trying to like wake them up or like write it down in your notes or yeah, you're in the shower, you're driving, like yeah. it's oh, always yeah. kind Driving's of like, the worst. I, I, yes, but I can't, I have to get it out. Yes, totally. I, I would get some of my favorite ideas when I was driving. I don't know if there's something to that. I'm sure there have been some studies done where it's like being distracted, you know, you can kind of get into this place where mm -hmm. other things maybe float into your consciousness. I don't know what it is about that, but it's, it's cool to hear that another form of writing is very similar to songwriting, you know, and that it's a, it's a very similar kind of feeling and just kind of interaction with the unconscious, conscious, creative realm, totally. you know? Yep. I think that happens in the shower too. Like, mm -hmm. because you're just, you're kind of forced, whether it's driving or you're in the shower or whatever, you're forced to just be still and like focus on the thing you're doing. And that's when I feel like your mind probably rests the most to like yeah. all of these other beautiful things that, yeah. you know, that come when we're still or when we're not, when we're feeling crazy and all of a sudden you have the thought. Right. Wow. Right. For sure. But it, <laughs> But the create the the like the creative whatever is like we're gonna get to you. We we need you. We need this to be downloaded in you. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna find a way to get it to you. Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, I I'm sure anyone who listens to this podcast regularly is gonna be like, oh my god, here she goes again. But because I feel like I talk about this book almost every episode. But um, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. She talks about this where she was like, you know, there was this time I I started writing this idea for this book, and then. I kind of drifted away from it and I met this other author who I ended up becoming really good friends with and uh, we had this email exchange going and one day she sends me this email and she's like, hey, I have this concept for this book that I've started writing. Would you mind just looking over it and just give me your thoughts on it? And she was like, when I tell you it was the same exact book I had started writing but had kind of deserted, same characters, same setting, same what? plot line. Yeah, she's like, if you abandon something and you don't listen to 
those moments where creativity is kind of dropping stuff on you and you don't act on it, it will find another vessel to come through. And maybe it's a little different with a memoir because it's like no one's story is like your story, right? Sure. But I do think that there is something energetically to staying open to ideas coming your way and really being receptive to them, being like, okay, I hear you noted. I'm going to put this down somewhere and do yeah. something with it, you know? But um but I always thought that was such a wild story. But I've totally seen things like that, like uh, songs that I have, like concepts I've had that I haven't like seen through and then see other people release them, business ideas I've had that I've been like, oh, that would be cool. But I don't know, maybe I'll do something with that down the line. And then I see someone else has started that business. And I'm like, this is so crazy. That is 100% true. <laughs> yeah. And with the memoir, I felt like I couldn't not do it. Like mm. I felt like I couldn't move on to anything else in any time I tried because anything else would have been probably a little easier. But anytime I tried, I, I felt like I would just not fail at it, but it'd be so overwhelming because I knew that I needed to write. Yeah. And so it felt like the thing that I have to do before I can move on to anything else. And like, what has that process been like for you? Because I would imagine writing a memoir would be similar, but also very different to writing a piece of fiction. Like you were saying, having to go into these deeper places and reliving some of this stuff. How did that kind of affect your day to day life? Because I, I, I feel like I talk with people on like a semi-regular basis who express interest in writing a memoir at some point, but maybe they're not quite there yet. And I think it would be helpful for people to kind of have this information of like, okay, what does it really look like to commit yourself to doing something like this? You know, how does it really affect you um, both sure. positively and maybe negatively throughout the whole process? Yeah. It's interesting because I think even fiction writers, now I haven't written, I've, I've been like dabbling in some short stories, but even they pull from real experiences, right? Sure. They have to have context that they're writing. And so I feel like, I don't know how different it would be, but I think, you know, you have to get back into like whether you're reliving a scene um, or you're, you're getting into character, you know, and trying to f find your character for a fiction or you're reliving your scene for nonfiction. I think I think it just takes like you have to, it, it's vulnerable because you have to let yourself go there for the sake of the story. Mm. But I don't, I don't know, like it, it's equal parts liberating and hard. Like it's yeah. empowering, I will say, when you finally like, like there were times I would, I would write and I would like find the line and I'm like, yes. And I'm like getting like really excited in my own world. And it could be like the saddest line ever in the story, but I'm a little bit separated from it at that point because now I'm just trying to craft it to where like the reader feels it. So I think it's it's kind of a roller coaster, but I think creating like, you know, writing songs can be the same way mm. and um, or painting or or cooking or like finding like any time you give your whole self to something, I think it can be really draining. And yes. but that doesn't mean it's bad. I think it yes. just means you're pouring into the project in front of you. Yeah. And that's beautiful because how much art out there feels a little cheap and it mm. feels a little low hanging and yeah. it's where's the where's the deep hearted stuff so i don't know like i would say do it like who if you know if somebody's watching this or listening and thinking like i'm scared 
to write it. This is something that um, I've told a friend, another friend who wants to write. It's like the people you're afraid of reading it. Well, one, write it for yourself. Write it as if nobody's going to read it. That's what my husband told me from day one. And that's what kept me most honest. Mm. Um, and that's then, point. and then write it um, in, in that writing as if nobody's going to read it. You're free to express your true self. But by the time that it comes out into book form, you're going to have somebody else's eyes on it. So I had three editors along the way, um, this last one being the one that really helped me shape the whole thing. But that those editors become your friends, especially in the end, um, when you're really close to finishing it. And so they know, I'm like, hey, I really, did I honor this person well? Like, mm. you know, because you can still share about an experience that's really hard. Yeah. And still want to find words. There are so many words out there and so many, eloquent ways we can write our stories and honor the people that are in them, whether we have trauma or whether it's a beautiful moment. I mean, and so I think that's where you have a trusted editor who comes in, who um, has your back and knows like, hey, maybe we need to change this. There was a line in my book that was, that would have probably been triggering for um, anybody who's dealt with suicide. Mm -hmm. And she had mentioned, hey, let's, like, let's reword this. And I was like, that's a, like, thank you. Cause mm. you're so deep in it that you have to have somebody else's eyes on it. So yeah, so when, when it's all kind of done and wrapped up, I think you have to be confident in the fact that you're not the only one whose, you know, eyes have been on it and you'll be ready to tell your story at that point. Yeah, it's not like you've been just like in this bubble by yourself and just sending it out into the world. Women's health is extremely important to me, and I think modern fertility is one of the most exciting, accessible new advancements to come out in recent years to help us really understand our bodies more. Whether you're ready to pop out a mini-me like yesterday or the thought of being someone's parent after the night you had last night seems light years away, knowledge is power. Understanding how our bodies work to better be able to prepare for the future and take better care of ourselves right now is game-changing. Modern Fertility doesn't just offer fertility testing. It also offers birth control, prenatal vitamins, ovulation and pregnancy tests, and just launched a sperm kit because fertility isn't just a woman's job, okay? So click the link in the show notes for $10 off your Modern Fertility hormone test and join the thousands of women who refuse to let fertility be a mystery. Now, back to the show. So, I mean, it sounds like you had a pretty good experience with your publishers. It sounds like they were pretty supportive. And But were there any challenging moments along the way, I, kind of sharing such intimate stuff with them? Was it something you got more oh, used Lord. to the more you worked together? Or I feel like this could be a whole other podcast <laughs> because the level of vulnerability truly to, um, to give this person and I'm speaking about just my editor to give this person this story that you're that's rough this this rough draft of like really hard and beautiful things but it's like the I mean I'm giving a lot in this book you know and I'm comfortable with that but in those first drafts it's like we might have taken some stuff out you know it's mm -hmm. like I might not want the whole world to know that mm -hmm. and so it is a trusting process like 
I do think to find the right editor, to find somebody who's supportive of you is, is huge. You have to click. Um, like I, I said, I had two before the third one and they were really great, but there was something, there was a, a friendship and a connection with the third editor that made it easier to be vulnerable. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I think, I think that's really important. Publishing is a whole other thing, but I, I felt like I had to keep some boundaries. Like I had to do a lot of self-talk, you know, because the editing process is very, you know, she's critiquing me for good reason. I want her to, right? So it can be like, you can feel pretty exposed. Yeah. <laughs> had to do a lot of self-talk of like, you are good and and you're a good writer and you're a good human and you don't need this person's validation and you know like all of that stuff because you want their approval because you want to have a good book but you have to learn to separate that from like you as an individual mm. and that yes. takes therapy oh girl <laughs> yes oh for sure it, takes, it just takes a lot of like self-awareness good for you for being able <laughs> to have those conversations with yourself i know it's so difficult i've been in that position before you know creatively i know you know a lot of my clients are also like songwriters maybe younger songwriters who are you know we're working on that craft and so they're like bringing brand new songs to me and and I know it, it's a very similar process I'm actually surprised at how many overlaps there are with music and, and writing yeah. a book because we'll have the same conversations and they'll be like oh this is really hard to hear you know and I'm like I know and it's not um it doesn't mean that like <laughs> just because I gave you this one piece of feedback does not mean that you should a listen to me right like, Totally. Because you can always reject. You can be like, no, I don't. Yeah. Agree. <laughs> like this is just, I'm giving you an opinion based on my own personal experience and taste, which is always subjective. Right. But, um, but also like, it doesn't mean that just because like maybe this one thing wasn't like the best thing. It doesn't mean that you won't ever create anything worthy of adoration or, or joy again you right. know, um, but it's hard to talk, having been in those experiences, always being in those experiences. I think if you're somebody who puts yourself out there a lot, I, I think you have to really build a relationship with that part of your psyche to have those conversations and uh, learn not to take things like so personally and, and be like, it's for the betterment of whatever I'm working on. It is. It's, it's, I think a team, even if it's small, your art's always going to be something deeper because somebody else's heart was attached to it. Mm. And, and they might not attach to it because it's obviously this is my book and it's my project. But when you have other people putting parts of themselves into it, um, that's really special and beautiful. And, and yeah, I, I always think working with even just one other person it's always going to be better than, than trying to do it by yourself. How did you go about finding your publisher? So I found my editor first. Mm -hmm. um, she was a friend of a friend and my friend had known she, she helped him edit some of his books. So we got in contact. We had like a initial phone call. And at this point I was just um, paying her to be like a freelance editor. Mm -hmm. so she had, she was working for a publishing um company then but we weren't really talking about that i was just gonna pay her on the side to edit my book oh, well i'll back up i actually created a proposal i kind of did it a little backwards like 
you can create a propose a book proposal where you give a little bit of what your book's going to be about and then you give like a few sample chapters or something and then you don't have to have everything written and you can you can search for publishers there like doing that you can find a literary agent they can help you find the right publisher i did it very differently i wrote the book first primarily because my story is very unique um i have some spiritual ties to it and i wanted to tell it the way that i wanted to tell my story i did the last thing i wanted to do was find a publisher that liked parts of my story mm. but didn't like all of my story yeah and told me what i could write about and what i couldn't and so it was big for me that i wrote the story that i wanted to tell and so i at this point was like well i guess i'll just self i guess i'll just print a few copies and hand them out i i didn't know what was going to happen with it so you I, were willing to just release it regardless yeah. of whether you had a publisher or not yeah because i just knew i needed to tell it and i wanted to tell it and so but from the very beginning i have said like i just want a good book i it's probably pride um but also just the story that i'm telling i just I just wanted it to be crafted in a way that was, that it felt bigger than me. Cause it, mm. it feels that way, uh, really like in, in real life as all of our stories I think do, but I knew my, I felt like the lack, like I wouldn't be able to write it the way that it needed to be written. And so I knew I wanted to write a really good story. And so I found the editors and she worked on it. We did a first round with it and then she went to her team and essentially was like, um, I think we should acquire this. And so she passed it to her team and they were on board and they, I went to Nashville and we had lunch and they offered me a traditional publishing deal. So that was kind of crazy. I, I mean, I just had no idea that that's how it would be. And, um, but it was really, it was really, organic and unique the way that it happened but yeah that's kind of how I did it I was like well I have the book so all the yeah. content there minus like you know the the editing process but I think that's a really good note to kind of give people is like maybe to have clarity on how you want to tell that story which you t talked about earlier in in this chat but how much you're willing to let someone else kind of influence how you're telling the story you know like you were you were like i'm gonna write this first because the main meat and potatoes of this i am willing to put out into the world anyway mm -hmm. and whereas some other people might be like well i'm open to a lot of like having a lot of flexibility in the creative process. So that, that seems like a really good point that, you know, any future memoirist should kind of keep in mind. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think too, when it's a memoir, it's like, if this is the only book that I release, what do I want it to be? What mm. do I want to say? And um, what do I want people to know and to learn about, not just about me, but about themselves? Like, what am I putting out there? Yeah. That's why I just, I, part of it too, Danny, is I just don't think I trust a lot of people. Mm. So I was like, you know, I want to make sure that the content of my book is inclusive and yeah. that, people of, that everybody feels not, not everybody's going to connect with my book, but that the people who do feel seen and loved and heard. And, mm. and so, yeah, it was important for me that I kind of had full reign on yeah. what I would write in there. 
Love that. Well, I love that you found people you felt safe enough to do that with who like really supported you in this process. I mean, and since it's been finished um, and there was a release date that was set, what has the promotional process been like for you? Like, is it something that you... I mean, I know the answer to this on a personal level, but is it something you enjoy? Have you grown to um, kind of accept it or enjoy it more? Yeah. So I don't enjoy it. Okay, I should back up. (laughs) What I enjoy most is writing. And I enjoy being, I like, my little desks that I write at are nothing fancy. The first one that I wrote at in, in a, a long time ago was like a little closet. And I like being in my own space. It's a safe space for me. And so that part is not the easy part, but it's like, that's the part I feel most comfortable in. What I am not comfortable in, but that doesn't mean it's bad, is the promotion of it. It's reaching out for endorsements. It is like all the stuff that goes into that everybody has to do Mm. to release your book. Um, It's the world that we live in. And so it's been exhausting, I will say, but I know I'm not alone. I can't imagine anybody not feeling this way um, unless you just thrive in the marketing world and sales. And some people do like my husband, he's, he's great at that but that's just not the way my brain works. And so um, I've definitely had to deal with some insecurity of like, you know, am I gonna say the right thing? If I reach out for endorsement, are they gonna think I'm using them? Like, I mean, it's, it is, again, it's that self-talk of like, this is part of it. And I believe in my story and people can say yes and they can say no, or they can say maybe, but you get to just ask the question, you know? Mm. So I, I do think I've had to be more gentle with myself in this part of the process because I definitely don't feel confident in it as far as what I'm posting on Instagram. And they're like, you need TikTok. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want TikTok. I don't know how to do TikTok, but you know, I just, I don't feel as qualified, but again, it's, it's just all vulnerability and it's like, okay, this is just part of like the next steps and the next process. Like I'm speaking for my, for the first time and, um, this week and I'm like, I can't do that. And I'm like, okay, if I keep that narrative, I'm not going to be able to do any of this. Mm. I can do it. Mm -hmm. I'm scared and I'm nervous, but that's okay. Like I do it scared, right? Yeah. And like, that is actually starting to click. Like that's been like a brain, like I've known that, like we can do hard things. We do it when we're scared. Um, now you're just, the universe is giving you the opportunity to practice it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Now I got to really do, like, I have to show up and, um, like right before this, you and like, I love you so much. And I was nervous. So I had to do like the box breathing. I'm like, I am fine. Like this you're doing great, fine. but you know what I mean? It's just, yes. it's new. It's just yes. very new. And, um, you know, like there's going to be people who just don't get it and that's okay. And there's going to be people that just rip me apart because they want to rip somebody apart. And then there's going to be people who feel seen and loved and it's all a part of it. And mm. so it's, it's learning how to in the promotion or whatever, it's just learning how to stay centered. Yeah. And, not let the approval or the disapproval like wipe you out either way 
the facts straight facts <laughs> i mean it, like again, easier said than done so but. much easier said than done but again like i think another one more parallel to music you know it's so so I, you know when i was releasing stuff independently it, it's it was that same thing like me, being at a keyboard writing songs felt like my safe place it felt very comfortable and then doing the promotional stuff to try and get that music out into the world and like asking other people to believe in what I was doing was a part that was like just like the worst you know and it's interesting now putting those skills into something like this podcast because for some reason I have an easier time promoting this than I did music and I don't know if that's because the music just felt like so so personal to me yeah or if i maybe somewhere inside to me feel like this project needs to reach more people because I think it's really important to encourage people to do the things they've always been wanting to do but maybe have been yeah. afraid to do and I, I think that that's such an important thing that I I think deep down I know I can't let my fear of being rejected by someone or uh, not putting it out into the world kind of win, you yeah. know? Um, and not that like the music I was writing, not that I didn't feel that way either, but I think maybe it was good practice for this. So I think too, it, it can be a, a muscle that you can learn to strength train in. The more yeah. you do it, the more you're like, okay, I know what it feels like to write this email. I know what it feels like to get a no. I know what it feels like to get a yes. I know what it feels like to get a yes that turns into a no. I know, <laughs> you know. And, and when then, your friend gives you a no. Yeah. That, that's, and, and not taking it personal. That's mm -hmm. been something I've learned separating the personal from the business yeah that's so tough too i think especially as women like there's a lot of like accommodating things that we do or that we expect maybe from female friends as well and uh, I, I this could just be my own personal experience like framing this but I, I feel like it it almost feels like it hurts a little bit more when it's coming from like a female friend that's a no or something because it feels like oh but like we would do anything for each other so why wouldn't we do this and it's like well it has to make sense you know yes I know that's self-talk again yeah, yeah. there's always moments to grow and befriending yourself in mm. this process and like truly truly letting all of those like instagram quotes we love and like things and books we like underline like actually letting that stuff sink in yes and living by it and not just having it as head knowledge yeah yeah no that's so true uh i think yeah trying to recognize those uh conversations you need to have with yourself in real time Mm -hmm. uh, yeah are so important for sure well I am so excited for this book to get out in the world like what are your sort of hopes and dreams for this book um I don't know like that is a question um I don't know if this is gonna reach many or if it's just gonna reach one mm. I think my hope has always been to to write it to feel good about it to have something that I've created that I'm really proud of. And so, I mean, I'd be lying if I said that I wouldn't, I don't want it to reach, you know, millions, like mm. obviously it would be really cool. 
but I don't, I don't know. I'm still wrestling with that because, you know, on one hand, I just, I want it to be the art that it is and just put it out there and like, just let people connect with it as like, kind of let it be a slow build. And, and then on the other hand, it's like, well, you know, the world that we live in requires money requires like, you know, this way of life. We have three kids. Like, I'm like, I want to contribute. I want to be able to, um, get paid for the art that I do so that mm-hmm. I can do more and I yeah. can provide for my family. And, and so obviously if this is, if this is a big hit, then, you know, I might see a little bit of money where I can like take my kids on a little trip or something. Mm-hmm. Like I've just never been able to do that. Like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, my husband has, mm-hmm. but as far as me bringing in something monetary mm-hmm. to our family. So that feels, that feels good. But I also yeah. like, I know that that's not everything. Um, and I know that art can stand on its own without making any profit. And so I don't know. I just hope that people connect with it. I hope people, I hope it reaches many. I would love, I think what I would love to do because of the book is to just meet more people mm. to get in front of people or to sit at tables with people and just talk. Like, mm. I think that's what I love to do just to connect with others. Yeah. Um, I don't really know the answer, but maybe, maybe just a deeper connection. I see that happening. I, yeah. I definitely do. I think it's, it's such a beautiful book. It's a hard book. It's, it feels very real, um, very honest. You know, even though we've had like very different life experiences, there are some things that we have, you know, overlapped and I just felt so deeply reading yeah. it. And I think, um, I think, that a lot of people will connect to it. That's just my opinion because, you know, I love you and I think you're talented and I think everyone (laughs) should read it. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, so, okay, it's coming out January 30th. 31st. 31st, 2023. Justin Timberlake's birthday. Hey! That's how we can all remember (laughs) little Lindsay Frazier's book (laughs) is coming out. On Justin Timberlake's birthday. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> uh, it's Oh Love Come Close. And where can people pre-order um, and follow you? Sure. Um, I mean, if if you follow me on Instagram, at Lindsay Frazier, you will find a lot of um, stuff there regarding the book. But you can order it Barnes & Noble. You can order it, um, pre-order on Amazon. You can pre-order it on Bookshop, which is um, really cool because they support local bookstores so you it's kind of interesting the way that you find it you can um search the shop first that you want to support so i can support several so like lately when i've been ordering i've been kind of switching it up so like i'll do a local shop there's one here in indy called irvington vinyl and book and i'll search that and then whatever book i buy a pro like part of it will go towards the bookshop um or I've done like Parnassus in Nashville, which you can actually pre-order through Parnassus because they are carrying inventory of the book. But yeah, it's pretty cool. So if you don't, if you want to support a bookshop and you don't like live in that area, like a local bookshop, you can go to bookshop.org. And Amazing. Pre-order from there. So yeah, I mean, as much as I love Prime, Amazon Prime, I would encourage everybody to to uh, pre-order from a local spot or bookshop. For sure. First. For sure. We love our mom and pop shops. We love shopping local. Okay? Yes, we Jeff do. Bezos doesn't need any more of our money. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, girl, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. It's been so cool just like watching you go through this process and like challenging yourself and believing in yourself. And um, the book is incredible. And I'm so excited for people to get their eyeballs on it. And um, thank you so much for making time to be on the show today. I'm thrilled that you asked. This has been super fun. You know, I met Lindsay back when I used to teach piano lessons. She was actually one of my students, and I just knew that we were going to be friends. And as I'm sure you can tell by listening to and watching her, she loves people so much. And one of the driving forces behind her deciding to share her story has been to help someone who might read it feel less isolated in their experience. And I know it's going to accomplish that goal. Oh Love Come Close comes out on January 31st and you can pre-order it on Bookshop, a very cool website that lets you support a local shop of your choosing, Parnassus in Nashville, and of course, Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Right now, if you go to Lindsay's site, www.lindsayfraser.me slash book, and Lindsay's name is spelled L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, Fraser is F-R-A-Z-I-E-R, So if you go to lindsayfraser.me slash book to pre-order, Lindsay has a couple of really cool gifts she's giving out in the way of limited edition prints of her poetry and a four song EP of songs inspired by the book created by her and her friend Nashville producer Adam Agen. If you want to keep up with Lindsay, you can do that on Instagram at Lindsay Frazier and on TikTok at Lindsay underscore Frazier. You can follow me on Instagram at Danny Official. That's D-A-A-N-I Official. And on TikTok at F-T-F-E Pod. First time for everything pod. Please subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on new episodes. And if you could rate and leave us a kind review to help people find the show, that would be very cool of you. And I'm sure would give you lots of good karma points to start 2023 off right. First Time for Everything is produced by Two Sheila's Productions. And our theme song, Closer, is performed by me, written by me and my friends at the Royal Foundry and produced by the Royal Foundry. Thank you guys so much for listening. And remember, it's never too late for your first time. Don't know if I'm gonna feel something like